Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you'll be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. If you've been inspired by the guests that we've had on the podcast, please like, subscribe, comment, hit notification bells, whatever you can do on the platforms that you're listening on, so that more people have the opportunity of hearing these and engaging in our community. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne. Our guest today is Josh Kimball. Josh, for people that don't know who you are, could you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? Excellent. Yeah, thanks for welcoming me onto this show. Um, Like Andrew shared, my name is Josh Kimball. I'm living in Jacksonville, Florida, and my wife and I co-founded a soccer ministry called All Nation Soccer being used to help reach the refugee and international community here and for people that hear this they like the sound of what you're doing Uh, they want to find out more maybe even see how they can get plugged in especially if they're locally but people may even want to get ideas from you if they wanted to set something up in other places but uh, where could they find out more about you absolutely um feel free obviously to email me at josh at allnations.soccer or you could go onto our website at www.allnations.soccer. Okay, and uh, I'll put those in the description box so that they're ready for people to uh, go and, and check out and, and maybe reach out to you. Um, can we go back a bit? Uh, tell us some about your background and uh, were you actually a fan of soccer or football for the rest of the world mm-hmm. growing up or were you like most Americans? Yeah. Actually, it was you know basketball, American football, etc. Yeah, no, great question. Yeah, thanks for correcting the proper name globally. Um, <laughs> I did live in England for a bit, so I'm aware of what the world calls it. Um, yeah, I actually grew up playing uh, soccer, football, started at age five, I think just because some of my buddies had decided to play and um, parents signed me up and, and had no idea how God would use it later to really connect me globally um, and be able to use uh, a sport, a game to do a lot of missions and ministry work. Um, but yeah, been a, been a player since five and I'll keep playing as long as my body lets me. <laughs> yeah. I got to a point where my body started to fall apart, but, um, people are trying to recruit me again. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then your wife as well. Yeah, what, good. Come on back uh, and play. <laughs> and your wife, she's not from the U S right. Uh, what, what's some of her background and how does she end up where you are? Yeah, she's not. Um, she grew up in Northern Ireland. And then uh, I met her in a season of her life when she was a missionary in Haiti. We had a mutual friend and went to join her for a trip and ran some soccer camps for kids she was working with in, in various feeding programs and voodoo villages that uh, she served. And uh, that's that's how we got started. And graciously, she's jumped into uh to soccer and and using it for missions uh she grew up playing rugby and riding horses um but we're trying to teach her how to use her feet to kick that ball <laughs> and i guess uh you know, we should probably find out is there a team that you follow yeah so i actually lived in liverpool for a while oh no this is not going to go well i can tell i'm sorry to break that to you um I became kind of a fan while living there, but I felt like the deal was sealed when I when I married Ashley. Her dad's a diehard Liverpool fan, and so 
I kind of got brought into the family under that condition. <laughs> oh, great. And it's between us and you, basically, uh, to get that fourth spot. Man United, Liverpool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a good job we've got this now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you both then have a heart for missions, you and your wife. And um, so what was it that, that prompted you to then look at starting your own soccer or football league where you are? What, what, where did that, uh, what was the origin story? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for asking. Um, honestly, it's nothing that we could have schemed up onto, you know, a ministry vision. We just started serving. Um, I had lived previously in a lot of different uh, contexts using soccer to do ministry, both in the United States, but but globally in like 20, 25 different countries. And so um, part of my story is that for a while I lived with refugees um, in, in the United States and did soccer ministry with uh, living while living in a refugee community. And it was a really sweet um, experience that opened me up to a way to do ministry of such a variety of diverse um, people and how soccer would bring them together even though they had such cultural and religious and you know just differences uh, growing up and and even language barriers how we could use soccer to unite the refugee community in a city and uh and see how god moved through um, them being a part of a team together and, and experiencing hearing the gospel and just being exposed um, to who jesus is over time and so when we came to jacksonville or I would say at that point when just I had come to Jacksonville, um, I went to the a, a refugee resettlement agency here and just asked how I could help. And they said, well, if, if you do anything with soccer, we, um, we need your help. We've been praying for somebody to come do something with soccer because we get asked constantly um, if, if they could provide some type of soccer community. And they don't do that. You know, they resettle refugees they set them up in apartment complexes and try to get them jobs and get their paperwork in order um but as you know the international community they they love a place where where they can play soccer and so that got us started really simply i just uh, began with a group of uh korean burmese people um with a practice every saturday and uh, we did that for about two years with kids ages all the way from probably six or seven up to their early 20s. And, and after a while, they said, Josh, this is great. Soccer practice and Bible study and eating together and, and doing birthdays and, and so on. But we'd really love to have a game. <laughs> we'd love to have a match and be a part of a league and something a bit more than soccer practice. And so I said, OK, well let's talk about what that, what that could look like. And they really had more of a vision for it um, than I did. They had more awareness to the refugee community here. And they said, well, we think we should offer our own league that we get to share about Jesus through. And um, that's really accessible because a, a big problem in the city that we were in is uh, that the leagues offered are expensive. Um, they're far away from where the refugee community predominantly lives. Um, and they're really late at night and a lot of the, the incoming, 
refugees who resettle here um, end up working jobs that they have really tough shifts. You know, they're in at 4 a.m. or earlier in the morning, um, out out late, and so to play a game, you know, where they don't get home till really late, and then have to wake up at three something to get to work is all you know not sustainable. And all those things made soccer really inaccessible to them, and so um, they really had a vision for more. And little did I know we we put the word out and. For our first season, we had eight teams, um, all coaches representing different nations, and and I was overwhelmed, you know, with how diverse and and large, expansive the the refugee community here is. Um, so we felt like, all right, God, you've you've given us a vision for something, and we've just been trying to grow since then. So you put two words together that don't usually go together. One is soccer and one is ministry. Um, you said about yeah. doing Bible studies, which I think people can get their heads around. You play a game of soccer and then they get conned into doing a Bible study afterwards. <laughs> this is people's perception of, I think, very often. Um, but from what I understand, the ministry is a culture within the soccer. That, min that ministry goes beyond that. Can you talk to us about how um, biblical principles run through the soccer or how you um, develop character, etc., within soccer? And actually, on the back of that, when I was there, I got to visit um, one of the days where you had all your matches going on, and there was a situation. This is a great example uh, to answer your question. Uh, but if, if you could talk about, I don't know if you remember, there was a match and uh, there was a sort of a fight broke out and how you dealt with that yes. situation. And then when I was there, there was going to be a coming together of those two players again. But that, that's a great example of uh, from answering your question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a super practical example. Um, I think the, the things that people would normally think of when they think of ministry, like prayer time and and you know, a Bible study or a devotional message are are kind of the the organized ministry, so to speak, that helps us create a culture and awareness. But um, but really, to your point, it, the bulk of the ministry culture that's made is is relationally um, with having a league that is predominantly composed of of refugees that. These players have come out of really difficult life situations um, where it is a lot of survival mentality, where there's a lot of um, there's a lot of emotions probably from experiences that haven't ever really been processed through well in their life. If they've been in a war torn situation, if they've had to flee um, their village or homeland um, because of violence. And, and how that manifests on the soccer field is, is interesting. Um, to Andrew's point, you know, anger and fighting and arguing is, is certainly the world's way to make a point and um, to get what you are looking for on a soccer field. And so a lot of how we get to minister is to come alongside people um, in those moments and guide them through in a way totally different than maybe they've ever experienced before. Um, usually I, I like to say when it gets messy, that's when it gets good. Um, 
that's when we're actually doing work in the ministry. And so um, there was an incident where a fight broke out and um, it was bad. Um, a player kicked another player in the head and uh, was was totally unrelenting about it in the moment. Um, and he left that day and we reached out to him. And it was that week when, when Andrew was there that that player had realized his error uh, and his need to not react and respond that way in anger and he was coming back to the field even though we had suspended him from the league um, to come face to face again with the player who he'd hurt and um, he wanted to ask for forgiveness and what was sweet is it, it really took a lot from both both of these young men to meet together again that day because that's not normal anywhere in culture um, to talk through what had happened and, and to ask for forgiveness and, and receive forgiveness. And it created a really sweet opportunity for the player who was kicked to share his testimony, um, to help connect a player that grew up in, you know, the, the Western panhandle of Florida in a tough situation where he, he had drugs in his family. They lived in a trailer home. He saw anger in a totally different way with a, a player from Uganda who had grown up in a war um, in violence and had to, to flee his homeland. They both had traumas and they both needed to work through, well, what does forgiveness look like in the present in their life? Um, and just to see how God worked on both their hearts through that process to both extend and receive forgiveness. Um, I think those are the moments that, that really lead people to who Jesus is and, and why a Bible study or, or a time praying is is important enough because they, they see how it can change their life. So do you have believers in the teams? I mean, not not in the verticals, just the ones that have come to Jesus through the game, but are there Christians who join to infiltrate that community, as it were? Yeah, that's a great question. And so um, in an ideal model, we love to have teams who have Christian leadership on them. They may or not may not be the coach or captain. Um, it's great if they are, but at least have Christians planted on each team uh, to develop culture, um, to to help be a ministry presence on that team and to intentionally reach out um, to their teammates to to help them engage in spiritual conversation and find out where they are and stir their faith, um, or at least desire to know who God is. And then we try to have every team connected to a local church. And our heart in that is, is twofold. Um, we obviously would love players to find when they're ready, a church community to grow in, uh, to learn, um, to have fellowship in. Um, but we also want to invite the local church into local missions with us. Um, I think we're seeing a lot more in our day uh, of the local church um, transitioning from viewing missions as only sending people on short-term trips globally to have a week or two experience and then return um, and seeing a lot more emphasis uh, and interest put on how do we reach the nations who God has brought here. Um, a testament to our league there's over a hundred nations that that play in all nation soccer right now many of them are refer are are um, connected to countries that would be considered 
if you look at any of like the the sources that monitor unreached people groups or highest persecution like the joshua project or the world watch list um, uh, these these uh people from these nations are right here living in our community and we want to see the local church be aware of that and send their people um, on more of an ongoing long-term discipleship model to build relationship with them um, versus just having an experience where they go short term and then return so that's uh that's conceptually how we we try to um, place ministry on each each team so that that over the long term it can grow yeah i think what you're doing is phenomenal um you know often as churches or christians we might uh, there's this sort of image that when we go on a mission trip and we step foot on that plane as soon as we step foot in another country we grow these angel wings and we're there to you know reach the nations and this is where my mission begins but um you know for people that have a heart for nations and and to reaching out to them i mean they have a phenomenal opportunity at least there in jacksonville to reach like you just said up to a hundred nations people coming from some horrific situations um you know you said that a lot of them uh, you know they come from war-torn situations uh from situations that maybe maybe for many of us it's hard to us imagine what they've all gone through um do you provide like a training or you know what do you say to the people that, that want to get involved um to help them to be able to know how to better engage with some of these people and, and their backgrounds and to be able to reach them where they're at yeah super super question um so I, I would say that we we offer some levels of training but a lot of it's hands-on um a lot of it is i think helping create a lot more awareness amongst the christian community here that the holy spirit lives in them they have the word of god and probably the biggest piece of their of the puzzle that's missing is just putting it in practice um is getting out there interacting building a relationship like they would build with anyone else um but but doing it in an intentional way where they they believe that god has a light to shine through them they believe that if they can ask questions god can help navigate through the holy spirit um, them into a spiritual conversation uh, where they can encourage someone in the truth of God's word and minister to that person by either offering to pray or love them. And so a lot of times when we, for example, gather church groups that come out to serve at our league every Saturday, um, we set them up like that. We help them more than anything realize it's not something special we're giving them. It's something special that they already have um, and that they just need to get out and love that, that I, I, I haven't seen where Jesus really took you know all of his disciples and put them through a curriculum i think a lot of times he put them into situations right um he put them into difficult positions where he sent them out and they learned from those experiences and matured from them and so in a way that's what we want uh, more than anything i think um there's some there's some training we can provide for sure um we provide some cultural context so that people are aware of interacting with muslims or buddhists or Hindus do um but we don't want knowledge to be a barrier right um we want them to feel that if if they're call themselves a christian and they have the holy spirit in them that it's 
it's part of their everyday life to go make disciples amongst the nations. It's called experiential learning, isn't it? I mean, we're great fans of that. You learn far That's more it. in the doing, which, as you say, is what Jesus did with the disciples instead of um, by the head knowledge. It seems to me that you're working from uh, is your cup half full or half empty place because without this being at all a political mm. statement, there's a lot about, oh, we've got all these refugees who've got this happening, they're all coming here, etc., etc. That's um, my cup's half full. I'm half empty situation, but you're saying, yes, the nations are coming to our door. We have our cup full. We have opportunities we wouldn't have. Um, and I hear a lot of that sort of complaining instead of seeing the opportunity. You know, sometimes when people say that to us, we'll say to them, talking about the UK, and I should think, well, I won't speak for the US, but we'll say to them, we used to be a major sending nation. We sent out so many from David Livingstone or Jackie Pullinger, whoever, into the nations, and we're not anymore. So because we like our cars, we like our homes, we like our employment, we like our money, and so God had mercy on us, and he said, okay, keep them all, and I'll bring the nations to you. And so, you know, seeing that my cup is full is um is what I see you doing that this is an opportunity, not a burden. Am I right? Yeah, you, yeah, you've hit it right on, and and I don't want it to get missed. Of course, we would love to see um, people that are called to go internationally and plant yeah. their life in an international context and be long term missionaries there. Um, I agree with you that that number, if you look at those statistics, it's incredibly low. And so what we feel like is at least a responsibility to say, hey, you're not going to just because you decide to be a missionary one day, you're not going to all of a sudden, like Andrew said, grow angels wings and be just this incredible missionary if you're not doing it in your everyday life now. And so we feel like it is our, our duty to be aware that God has brought the nations here. And if we can identify and create ways for people to live on mission here, they're a lot more likely to be called to be missionaries elsewhere long term um, and not just come out for an event or a week and serve, but feel like it is a calling on their life um, to reach a people. And so that that's what we hope to be a part of. Our, our family had to pray through that decision our, ourselves and figure out where we were to be called um, in God's picture of, of what he's doing around the globe. We were living in Honduras and had a great opportunity to um, plant long-term in Guatemala. And, and it would have been a great calling for our family. Um, what we saw, though, was a gap. We saw here in a a city probably full of churches in Jacksonville, Florida, um, that there is a community here, the, the refugee and international community, that the church is overall, without condemning them, not doing a good job reaching that community. And if we're honest about it, that community probably re represents the most unreached people in our city. Um, they've not by anything they've done wrong. They've just never heard the gospel because they've come from a place where there isn't a gospel presence. 
And so for the local church to miss out on probably their greatest missionary opportunity in their back door would be a huge miss. And we just said, hey, for our family, we're going to step into that gap. Um, we have a heart for the unreached and we want to help um, spur on and, and light a fire for missions and, and hope that that will bring other long-term missionaries out of that, whether they stay with us serving locally or we get the privilege of, of sending them out um, internationally. Of course, the the best missionaries to go to these unreached are those refugees that are on your doorstep to send them back to where they came, where the nation they yeah. hopefully maintain their language, their identity, their culture, they look like it. I mean, to me, to boomerang them back would be like the ultimate, um, I mean, the ultimate goal, but but there could be no greater joy for missions than to than to for that to start happening. Yeah, you're very keen on uh, that observation, and uh, I think people that get what we're doing, like like you, are seeing uh, that the idea pops into their mind right away. And I I would agree a hundred percent that um, while we would certainly celebrate you know, an American here from the local church feeling called to go be a missionary, uh, it would be immensely sweet uh, for a player who comes into our league as a non-Christian to find Christ and realize the opportunity now that they have being a, a U.S. citizen to freely travel back and forth, to be able to resource ministry into their homeland, um, to be able to, to plant ministry, um, to learn from a model like we we have where you can you can really take soccer into any nation um you can show up and say that you're a soccer coach you can't go to every nation and say that you're going to be a pastor um or you're going to start a ministry but they can learn from what we've done about an effective effective model um where they could help share the good news of jesus um, in their homeland and we we pray for that um i guess through football uh, you you can get to connect with uh, so many so many people and uh learn more about them the situations what their needs are generally um do you find yourselves helping like outside of the league are there opportunities for for you and for other people to come alongside them and and help generally speaking with needs that they might have maybe someone's going through a process of um getting uh, their visas or whatever to stay in America. Are there opportunities to help in those areas as well? Or help their families. Or help their families. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's certainly a bunch of need-based um, things that come up with players in our league, and, and we try to address those internally um, and help these teams that have formed community around these players to to realize that and, and to be able to serve uh, people in that way. Uh, that's another reason why we try to connect teams to churches so they can be aware of the needs on the team that they support and rally around loving that person, uh, knowing that, that that may open the door spiritually for them. Um, but we also try to really intentionally partner with other organizations in town that, that we're blessed or here, honestly, um, who feel like their calling is those specific ways of serving, whether it be uh, some ministries in town that provide free furniture and clothing um, to families in need, especially refugee families. There's another one beyond 90 that 
provides um, a lot of the services for documentation, paperwork, um, taxes, filing those types of, of support needs. It's It feels like a really big blessing about really what God is doing on a bigger picture to have others who are, are kind of focused on their area of serving this international community here um, so that we can work together in, in cooperation with them and yet um, providing a different element that, that they don't, you know. We, I feel like we really provide in the context of the services here um, a place to belong. Uh, services are great, but they're 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 really helpful, but they are transactional in a way. Uh, you need a you need some clothes, you need furniture for your house, you need paper paperwork completed. It's it's incredible support, but it's it's done. Uh, after it's completed, whereas we provide this ongoing community for people to develop relationships and friendships in and feel a part of, um, feel welcomed into. And uh, we're really grateful that that's, that's the, the role we get to play. I think sometimes people think that discipleship starts after you've made a commitment to Jesus, whereas discipleship yeah. starts through relationship the moment you meet them almost, if, yeah. if you continue that. So what I hear is discipleship is is what you're doing, really. Hmm. If I'm going to box yeah. it into a bit of Christian language, you know, discipleship and football is the common language you all speak through which you can connect and, and you can learn. It's not yeah. that... Christianity is serving your football. It's not that discipleship is serving your football, um, but your football is providing a platform for discipleship. Yeah, I love that uh, explanation and understanding of making disciples. Um, and I think it can get really confused in the church community that we wait for a moment of conversion to begin making a disciple. Um, I think we just look at Jesus always, right? And I don't think he went to any of his who we would call disciples and said, hey, would you like to be my disciple? Um, he just said, follow me. Just said, hey, I'm going. I'd like you to come with me. Um, so he created a place for them to belong, uh, for them to learn as they went. And on the back end, we call them Jesus's disciples. Right. Absolutely. Because they stuck with it. They followed him. Um, they matured in, in what he wanted to teach them. And uh and now we view them like that. And, and gosh, I hope uh, I hope that's what we get to do. And those disciples blew it. They got angry. He had to sort them out along the way. They weren't perfect. I mean... They cut people's ears yeah. off. They, yeah, yeah. They, they wanted to. So <laughs> disciple, discipleship is not, it's not walking in perfection. It's just walking together and, and hanging with them through it. So I personally, I love, love, love yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, and if love what you're doing i love what you're well, doing thank you so much as um you know we have completing the great commission within our site and we say to people that the major heads of the major mission organizations have said that this emerging generation can easily complete the great commission which means this emerging generation could see the return of Jesus. And I think we box that complete the Great Commission into a preconceived idea of what it means, which is going to a nation, learning a language, etc., etc., etc. And I think God is using many, many ways 
um, to complete that commission. And from what you're sharing, it is a great commission completing opportunity and playing your part in that. Um, I, I want to, uh, as we come towards the end, Thank I just you. want to go back to something you said right at the beginning. And uh, you said for a while sure. you were staying with the refugees. Um, can you just talk a bit about that? How did it come about that you ended up staying with them? Yeah, I was really blessed to be a part of a ministry. Um, at that time, it was based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, refugee resettlement goes in interesting shifts. But at, at that time, a lot of what was happening when refugees were being resettled is that an apartment complex would align with a resettlement agency and make their their housing available so to speak and what would happen is you would get apartment complex that were very uh, refugee dense there would be multiple multiple uh, families that were getting placed there and so when you walked into these apartments you thought man i'm like i'm in a different country um and the soccer ministry that i was a part of at that time called missionary athletes international they were placing uh, missionaries um, to use soccer and live in these apartment complexes, and and honestly, it was it was one of the sweetest times of my life um, to just be an apartment in and amongst them because it, uh, as they as they called it, it was a very incarnational ministry. It was life on life. We just did everything together. The boys slept over at my house constantly, cooked dinner, came over to do their homework after school um you know we celebrated birthdays and every major event together and uh and it was it was just really really sweet um we are still looking here in jacksonville florida to how that model could be recreated maybe in a slightly different way um but the the landscape has changed a lot um because there are less and less um full refuge full apartment complexes that are refugee dense and more um general areas where the refugee community lives because there's less expensive housing but they're not all in the same necessarily apartment complex um so our model might end up looking a bit different here but we still want that same dynamic where there's uh, a lot of life on life opportunity happening yeah um Josh, uh, thank you. Uh, I think that this has been really, really good. And uh, I really encourage people who are listening to this, if you're in Jacksonville, or in that area, uh, to get plugged in. And uh, maybe for people that aren't there, I, I think you've given a lot of really good practical ideas of how people can get involved with, with missions locally, and maybe even have given ideas to people of things that maybe they could even do or launch in their area. I, I recommend uh, you connect with Josh and uh, maybe pick his brain. That's a, an English phrase, uh, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if they use that in the US or not, but uh, really uh, just yeah, pick his yeah, brain about do, do. For, for ideas and, and how he went about doing some of this stuff. And maybe there are people listening that say, actually, you know, I could partner in different ways. Um, not just necessarily the football, I mean, with the whole refugee side of stuff. Um, so maybe as we finish, could you just give some like practical steps or, or, or what it looks like for people where you are, um, that when they get plugged into what you're doing, what, what are practical things they can do 
or that they get involved with in, in terms of helping to serve in that area? Yeah, were you asking more specifically like here with our ministry in Jacksonville or if someone was to start a similar um, ministry no, elsewhere? Um, if people, I think by them hearing how people where you are serve you and help serve uh, the community, when they do it there, it will give them some practical um, things that they can go, oh, that's what it could look like for people to come alongside and help serve. Okay. Um I hope I hope I answer this right. I think I, I think I understand. But what if I was to start this somewhere else and and ask people to get involved? I think the first thing that I would do is is identify the people that you want to reach um, and make that community clear and pray for them, spend time with them, listen to them. Um, if you were to start a soccer ministry, uh, which is is basically me just looking at my skill sets and asking God how can how can you use what you've given me in life to be a part of the Great Commission? And so that's that's a big part of why soccer for me is how do I take something God gave to me and give it back? Um, but for somebody else, that might be a totally different skill set, right? Um, I will say for all those that have any interest in soccer that the, you have a huge advantage globally because of how international the game is. And so I, I would reckon to say pretty much of all the 25 countries I've been to, I was using soccer, right, to to do ministry. And so I would say find a community that doesn't know Christ and, and figure out if you can connect with them through, through soccer and then begin to invite um, any local church volunteers you can into that opportunity with you um, to help in capacity of, of support, of coaching, of sharing um, God's word. And, and and allow it allow what the actual programs of your ministry to grow from that we run a league we run camps and clinics we run um, an academy um, and they all have different functions and reach different age groups uh, of, of people in the city that we would we want to grow a ministry relationship with um, but it, it, to go back to what I said at the very beginning all that all that came from listening um, uh, go build gonna... relationships with the people. I was just going yeah. to say that word that stood out to me was listen. We're so quick to go to people and tell them what we think, what they think they need, what they, we think they do, what we can offer them. Um, so I, would, I was just going to pick out that one word, listen, listen, listen to Jesus, listen to the people, because he is listening to the, to the people. So you're going to get it right yeah. either which way. That was. I'm inspired. I might go and I might go and join that soccer team with yeah. you tonight on Friday, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Plug <laughs> oh, yeah. mom in. I tell you what. <laughs> you don't know me. I mean, you... she she has an athletic background. She was actually chosen to represent England at the Olympics in hurdles. Wow! Amazing. Yeah. So she has a, an Olympic athletic background. Um, you yeah. didn't have to throw that in. It was just that I see a challenge and I'm I'm off to do it. I yeah, mean, but that's competitive nature in you, isn't it? So. Well, I hope when we I hope when we come back that's to super. Florida, I can come and see what's going on as well, and I would I would love to. Yeah, great. yeah. Thanks, Josh. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, again, everyone listening, go check out the links. Reach out to him. But. But be inspired. I think this is a really cool story mm. of someone who found real practical ways to meet a need 
within this community, not just there, but like you said, across various nations. Um, so hopefully this will inspire people to to look at how they can meet needs in their area and really just go for it. Yeah. Um, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time. Really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, honor to spend the time with you all and, and thank you for what you're doing. Just helping inspire people to live out the Great Commission wherever they are. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to this episode. Remember, if it inspired you, share it with others so we can see more people engaged in this community.